Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it allows me to record without having to spend thousands of dollars on equipment that I would probably have difficulty using anyways. So Anchor makes it all possible with a simple app. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Mavs, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mavs. On the Rat Sound Review Network. Hey everybody, welcome to the Music is Life podcast. This is Lou Mavs, your host. And thanks for joining me on this week's episode. And thank you for having joined me on previous week's episodes. Uh, Really happy that with the last episode that I did, uh, it being broadcasted on the Rat Salad Review Network, I really uh, feel a lot of gratitude towards uh, Wayne, uh, Greg, and Uncle Saxon for supporting the show and wanting it to be part of their extended family. Thank you, guys. Really happy to be a part of it. Anyways, a lot going on in the world of music this week. Most of the times, I report on good stuff, offer my opinion on ways that I try to help younger musicians out by uh, giving advice, sound advice from years of experience as a performer and a songwriter. But today's episode is going to be a little bit different. This is complete editorial, and I promise you that it's not going to be for the faint of heart. Uh, there may be expletives, exp- expletives, bleh. there may be expletives thrown about, and, you know, uh, I don't apologize if it offends anyone, because this is my true, honest opinion on what's going on with two particular events that have occurred in the past week. And I feel, as a musician, as a, as a person, that it's good to uh, discuss, you know, it, it, it's, it's only right of me to bring it up. And again, this is solely my opinion, so you can take it or leave it. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. But, you know... 
I'll leave it to you to decide for yourself. And again, you don't have to agree with me or not. It's 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 not my place in life to sway you. But I do feel that it's valid and I feel like everyone's opinion is valid. So if you feel differently from me, hey, awesome, good for you. If you feel the same as I do, awesome. Welcome aboard. But anyways, uh, two big events that happened. One is that they announced the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2020 nominees. Now I'm going to read you the list. So I'm on Google right now, and it's Pat Benatar, Dave Matthews Band, Depeche Mode and the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Kraftwerk, MC5, Nine Inch Nails, The Notorious B.I.G., Rufus with Shaka Khan, Todd Rundgren, and T-Rex. Now, I left some names out because when I saw these names, my eyes bugged. Because I never thought I'd ever see this happen in my lifetime. But some of the other bands that were nominated include Judas Priest, Motorhead, Soundgarden, and Thin Lizzy. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I worship at the altar of Judas Priest, Motorhead, and Thin Lizzy. And I always, I, I grew up always having loved Soundgarden. To me, them and Alice in Chains were the best of what they call the grunge era, even though that word makes as much sense to me as the term gent. It's just hard rock. Okay, this grunge thing is stupid. <laughs> grunge is not a genre. It's hard rock, okay? But anyways, though, so Finn Lizzy, Motorhead, and Judas Priest. Three of my favorite bands of all time. Three bands that I grew up idolizing, that when I first learned guitar, I sat down with my acoustic and learned their songs. So... With Judas Priest, they released their first album in, I think it was 70, 72, 73 with Rock and Roll Up, Motorhead 75 with the self-titled album, and uh, Finn Lizzy. They go back to, I think, the late 60s, early 70s, uh, when uh, Eric Bell was still in the band. Um, but again, mind you, that's... A long time between from their first albums till now. And apparently eligibility to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is your debut album had to come out 25 years before your first year of induction. Some bands waited forever to get in, such as Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. Other bands were in immediately, like Metallica. And the reason why is because... The artists that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, most of them, I would say about 95% of them, are more than likely handpicked by Rolling Stone editor Jan Werner, who, if you think about it, in the 70s, 
when Led Zeppelin was probably the biggest rock band to have come out of the second British invasion of the late 60s up to the end of the 70s, Led Zeppelin was the most hated group by Rolling Stone. But even then, Rolling Stone couldn't deny the fact that people love Led Zeppelin because in the 80s, it was always, oh, are they ever going to get back together again? Oh, who's going to be the new drummer? Is Phil Collins going to be the new drummer? Because people thought Phil Collins was going to be John Bonham's replacement when they played Live Aid. But you know what, though? <laughs> Side note, that that was never supposed to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they, they ate it up on MTV, on Live Aid in, in 85. But that was never supposed to happen. And it escalated into this big thing. Um, which, if you think about it, actually harkens back to what I posted on my Facebook a week ago regarding Eddie Van Halen. But I'll get to that later. But back to the situation at hand. So after years of being ignored by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Motorhead, Thin Lizzy, and Judas Priest are nominees for induction for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. And I have one thing to say about that. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that it stands for. Because all it stands for is bureaucratic bullshit. And I say that because Jan Werner probably doesn't even want the names Judas Priest, Motorhead, and Thin Lizzy even mentioned in his presence. All he ever cared about were artists like Lou Reed, Patti Smith, and the punk music that was going on in the 70s. You know, the artsy-fartsy crowd. Not unabashed, unashamed, hard rock and roll and heavy metal. The Rock and Roll Hall of Shame, or Sham, whatever you want to call it, could not give a about heavy metal or hard rock. Okay, remember, when Rush was inducted and Jan Werner came out, he was booed because of how Rolling Stone treated Rush. When Kiss got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they kept their speeches to a minimum of about two minutes each. And the only members that were inducted were the original four, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, Peter Chris, Completely ignoring the contributions of people such as Eric Carr or Bruce Kulick or even Eric Singer, who's been their longstanding drummer. And God forbid I'm going to say this name, Vinnie Vincent. Because, again, even though I, I, I can't stand him as a person, you can't deny that Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up were two of Kiss's best albums. Regardless, on the same Rock and Roll Hall of Fame event, the E Street Band all got inducted, and each of them took longer than Kiss's entire induction speech. So being that these are fan votes, 
of course their fans are going to probably go on Google and vote for the five bands that they most want. And most hard rock, heavy metal bands are probably going to nominate, if I could guess off the top of my head, Pat Benatar, Finn Lizzy, Motorhead, Judas Priest, and uh, Soundgarden. But even then, it's like, why? Why do you as fans even care that your favorite bands are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Guess what? You are the band's Hall of Fame. You own their albums. You own their merchandise. You put food on their table. You gave them careers. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame never did jack shit for any of these bands. Okay? It's a work. It's a ploy. It's 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 meaningless. All right? These guys have to pay $10,000 per plate at their table to be there and get inducted. It does not mean a thing. All right, maybe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at one point meant something when it first came out and you inducted the greats in there, such as Little Richard or Chuck Berry. But now it's like you put you put other artists that are less deserving of being in a quote unquote Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before you put the fathers of hard rock and heavy metal in. I mean, Black Sabbath got slighted until 2006. And Madonna and NWA get in before Judas Priest, before Thin Lizzy. You can't name me two more influential dual guitar-based guitar based bands than Judas Priest or Thin Lizzy. You can't. You know, Thin Lizzy had the dual harmonies. Listen to the stuff that Brian Robertson and Scott Gorham did. Listen to the stuff that Scott Gorham did with both Gary Moore on Black Rose and with John Sykes on Thunder and Lightning. And you're going to tell me that didn't make people want to pick up the guitar? More musicians, more guitar players out there are more influenced by the Thin Lizzy albums with the dual guitars than anything Madonna ever did. But because you live in this world of political correctness, because you live in this world where we're shunning the music of the past because it's it does nothing but promote toxic toxic masculinity because it promotes machismo because it's not quote unquote woke, you piss on it. And now you think you're giving these bands some kind of validation by putting them on the nomination ballot for a 2020 induction? Fuck you. Fuck you. Really? These these bands 
don't need your validation. These bands don't need to be in your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame needs them more than they need you. And you know what? If they do get inducted, I'm not going to lie, as a fan, I'll be happy for them because if they feel that it validates what they've done, all right, I'm not going to knock them. But as fans of them, I don't need the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to tell me that they are, they are, they're, they're valid. I don't need them to do that. Nobody should. Nobody writes their first volume of music for the purpose of one day getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You write music for yourself. And if people gravitate toward uh, to it or not, hey, you should still live your life with no regrets. You know why? Because you had the balls to do something that most other people wouldn't. You put your art on uh, down on tape and you gave it to the world to listen to. And who cares if you never make money off it? You know, it's a completely different world now for musicians compared to back then. Where it was, you release an album, one-year tour cycle, release another album, one-year tour cycle. You know, they, these, these, a lot of these musicians suffered from crazy burnout. Got addicted to so many chemicals that it screwed them up. You know? And the fact that for most bands, such as uh, Judas Priest, that the audience is still there to support them at every show, that's a testament to the band itself and its songs and its albums. That's not a testament to any Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a testament to their greatness. People still talk about Lemmy the legend of Lemmy Kilmeister today as though he never passed away. He didn't need no Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And people had the audacity to call Lemmy a Nazi sympathizer because of his extensive collection of World War II memorabilia. Whether it was the, the swords and daggers made for the uh, for, uh, for for the uh, for the SS soldiers and his only reason for even collecting them was because he liked the craftsmanship he was an appreciator of the of, of the craftsmanship of of the blades themselves Lemmy himself was practically a libertarian he he hated Nazis. He hated things such as, you know, supremacy of any kind. This is the same guy who wanted to he, he wanted to tour with girls school, even wrote a song with them. You know, and people would say, you know, for girls they're pretty good. Lemmy's like, what do you mean for girls? They play better than you. Okay, Lemmy was a guy who he knew what he liked, and he was respective of, like, everything. 
as long as it was good and as long as there was a value behind it. Okay, and 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 people want to call him, you know, a freaking Nazi sympathizer just because of his collection of World War II memorabilia from uh, the, from the helmets to the suits to the the daggers, you know, using the, the bayonets and things like that. And I'm just like, you know, give me a break. Lemmy's collection of of World War II memorabilia is no different than my collection of Funko Pops that I have in my cubicle. Just something you like. You know, he was a collector of the stuff. He said it himself in his documentary. He likes to collect stuff. You know, and... Rolling Stone being the woke piece of shit magazine that it is, you know, uh, pushing narratives that is completely against the essence of what rock and roll is about, which is rebellion from the norm for the sake of rebellion, just having fun, writing songs that people gravitate to, not because they want a political message, but because they want to have a fun time. All the artists mentioned, especially my three favorites, Priest, Motorhead, and Lizzie, Pat Benatar, Soundgarden, if they didn't get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it wouldn't bother me because I don't need the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As a fan and as a musician, I don't need the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to tell me that their induction validates their career. No, it doesn't. And fuck you, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for thinking that. Because the real fans will always continue to support the bands that they love, regardless of what you tell us is worthy of being inducted. Fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Moving on. Machine Head. Robert Flynn. The man who used to be in violence, which was a better band, and has been the leader of Machine Head since 1994 when Burn My Eyes first came out went on a ridiculous diatribe of epic proportions. I'll have to find it, so just bear with me one moment. Okay, so I found the article, but one thing I forgot to mention, uh, in terms of the Motorhead members that are getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's only the original lineup, which is uh, Lemmy Kilmeister. Fast Eddie Clark and Filthy Animal Taylor. I think that's a huge knock on the contributions of the Motorhead members who stood by Lemmy when Filthy and Eddie left. I think it's a huge knock to Mickey D, to Phil Campbell, and to Wurzel. And as far as I'm concerned... If you're going to induct Motorhead, why would you deny the the lineup that was together longer than the original lineup? 
you know, and it, it really goes to show to show everybody that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really has no clue about the bands that they induct, the genres that they induct, or the fans of the bands that they induct. And I stand by what I said. Fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Motorhead doesn't need them. They need Motorhead more than Motorhead needs them. So that's my opinion on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, on to the cringe. So, Machine Head released this song called Do or Die. A one-off single showing the talents of the new lineup. And don't ask me who they are. Um, I forget who they are. You know, it's funny. I I have a love-hate history with Machine Head. When they first came out, I thought that they were contenders to the throne of bands that were out at the same time, such as Pantera, Sepultura, Biohazard, you know, I I mean, I, you're, you're talking to somebody who was a teenager in the nineties and Pantera was a band who for me was very important for my musical growth. And the bands at the time, the metal bands at the time, the ones that got so-called quote-unquote, killed by grunge. (laughs) I don't even know why they label grunge a genre. It's just hard rock, you idiots. Anyways, um, but the bands at the time that, that, that really, to me, were showing, like, real metal, real hardness were the bands that I just mentioned. Pantera, Sepultura, Biohazard, Typo Negative, you know, bands like that. Testament was still around. Exodus was still around. Metallica was the biggest band at the time. And, you know, Megadeth were probably, I would say, I would say that the top five metal bands of the 90s would have to be uh, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer. We're talking about early 90s. Um... I wish I could say Anthrax, but I can't, even though the John Bush era was my favorite. Um, Biohazard and Pantera. and Pantera, a notch above Biohazard. And Machine Head, I thought, were, you know, contenders to that throne. They could have been something great. I mean, their first two albums were awesome. Burn My Eyes and uh, The More Things Change. Then they released The Burning Red. Now, Wayne, I know you're listening to this podcast. And I know you told me that you were a fan of that album. Um, that's awesome, dude. I, 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 I value the fact that you love that album. Um, <laughs> I, um, I was quite disgusted. And it's funny, like, after you told me today that you were a fan of the album, I actually went and watched the video for from this day. And I'm just like... What are they doing in that video? I mean, with it's late '90s new metal overkill. Not the band, uh, but I mean, in terms of like the shiny clothes that they were wearing. Rob was wearing a red Adidas tracksuit. The hair was spiky. Uh, when they got a Who Luster to replace Logan Mater, it was such a mistake. And Dave McLean, great drummer. He's not Chris Contos, but he doesn't have to be. Uh, 
Dave McLean uh, paid his dues with Sacred Reich. Uh, he was a great addition to Machine Head, especially those albums that came out uh, from 94 to 2001, which were um, Through the Ashes of Empires, The Blackening, and Undo the Locust. Really good albums. And lately, ever since the Dime Bash where Phil and Selma Pantera did the White Power salute to a couple of fans in the audience who were goading him, calling him a Nazi and a white supremacist. Again, it's hilarious that all you have to do right now is just call, call somebody an, 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 a Nazi. Uh, and I'm like, really? Did, did Phil kill anyone? <laughs> did, did Phil lead a bunch of people into camps and open up the acid showers you know, it's so easy to call anybody a Nazi and, 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 and get away with it. And unfortunately, this is the world that we live in. So when Phil basically gave it back to these fans, and I believe him, Mr. Flynn, Mr. Rob Flynn of Machine Head decided to go onto YouTube, release a video called Racism and Metal and Virtue Signal through the whole thing, uh, and, pff, saying... That, you know, he's 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 disgusted with Phil and he was always a racist and this and that. And I'm just like, dude, you know, there are a lot better ways to handle situations like this rather than release a video on YouTube and just just put the guy down. I mean, if you respect him, if you were friends with him, why didn't you approach him one on one like a man? And I'm sorry if that... Con- no, I'm thinking once again, I'm sorry, not sorry if that comment offends anyone because a real man, a real human being, if they got a problem, they will approach you and talk it out with you. Then beat your ass if you're going to be a little bitch about it. But no, Rob Flynn took the bitch route and became, I would say, the the... Pro- Practically the metal sucks poster boy for virtue signaling. Yes, I don't think ver- I don't think at uh, very highly of metalsucks.net at all. I don't think highly of that ilk, the you know, the the I'm better than you type crap. I, I, I don't care for that crap. So the next album, the last album that Machine Head released, Catharsis, I thought I was listening to the Dropkick Murphys. The album sucked. And I love the Dropkick Murphys, but Dropkick Murphys are Dropkick Murphys. When Machine Head goes out of the way to sound like another band, i.e. Limbiscuit in the 90s, or like the Dropkick Murphys mixed with some Antifa-style social justice uh, warrior virtue signaling, I'm sorry, I shut out. That's just, that was just too much for me. And look... I don't begrudge anybody their political opinion. I don't begrudge anybody their opinion on anything, whether it comes to entertainment, whether it comes to, uh, you know, policy. You know, every everyone has an opinion on something. And you know what? The only way we learn from it is if we sit down and talk about it like people. And that's the one thing that I think musicians should 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 really take into account. Don't be a Rob Flynn. Don't be someone who resorts to 
you know, how, how would I put it? Don't be a virtue signaling bitch. That's all I got to say. You know, you, it's, it's, it's fine if you feel a certain way about something and you put it down on paper and you put music behind it and you make a song out of it. You know, that's great. But you know what though? It's, it's, it's important to not single out people in your audience and turn them off completely. Because I think once you do that, you know, once you, once you, you, you stand, uh, once you alienate your audience, they will, you know, they won't forgive you for that. You know, at the time, you know, I forgave Machine Head for releasing two crap albums and I was willing to give him another chance. But then Rob Flynn decides to, you know, release an album that's like all political and it just came off as so sanctimonious and I just couldn't take it and I shut it out. And with this new single that he released, Do or Die, he went back to like his rapping style that he did on The Burning Red. Which I was just like, you're a 52-year-old man playing thrash metal. What business do you have, you know, dropping rhymes over that? All right? Trust me, dude, it ain't fire, okay? Anyway, but in the song, he singles out Chimera and Strapping Young Lad. Now, for those who forget, Chimera was a band that came out of Ohio I think they formed the 99. Their first EP, This Present Darkness, came out in 2000. It got them signed to Roadrunner uh, Records, which they were on for a while. And I loved Chimera. I thought they were one of the better bands of that decade, 2000 and 2010. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing them twice, once at OzFest 2003 on the second stage, and once in 2006 when they opened for Children of Bodom. thought they were phenomenal. And he singled out Strapping Young Lad, Strapping Young Lad being Devin Townsend's band. Uh, For those who remember, Devin Townsend was discovered by Steve Vai. They did the Sex and Religion album together. And Devin Townsend has produced some of the best albums, in my opinion, uh, that came out in the last 15 years. Uh, two of them that I think people should check out. One is Soilworks Natural Born Chaos, which is my favorite from them. And also Guar's uh, Beyond Hell, which has to be... It, it's tied for my favorite Guar album. Between that and America Must Be Destroyed. So you're going to single out Devin Townsend, who... I'm sorry, dude. Like, you you don't single, da- you don't single out Devin Townsend, okay? The man has more credibility in his pinky toe then you've had your entire career. So forget that. But then you're going to sing a lot of Chimera in your, in your song lyrics. Dude, how much of a dick are you? I mean, come on. Mark Hunter is battling cancer right now. Freaking cancer. And you pissed on him and his band in your stupid song. I hope you feel great about yourself, asshole. So there are a lot of people online who were, who, who claim, who stated that he ripped off a song by the band Dope. 
uh, the song from Dope being Die, MF Die. Dope being a new metal band that was forged out of New York in the late 90s. And he released this, this diatribe on Instagram where uh, he basically said this. I'm going to read it out. And I'm going to see if I can read it out in my more elegant voice. So, ahem. To all the bitch-ass internet troll motherfuckers who keep whining and menstruating. What's menstruating? I've heard of menstruating, but not menstruating. Is that something men do? About how Do or Die has lyrics from the band Dope. Here's a little fucking reminder for your moronic new metal brains. Dude, you were new metal in the 90s. Shut up. Since 1993, in our song, Fuck At All, I have been saying, come on, motherfucker, come on, in the middle breakdown. Here's video of me in 1995 saying it at Dynamo. It was a good seven years before Dope's 2001 Die MF Die came out, you fucking sausage gobblers. Sausage gobblers. Is that a homophobic epithet, Rob? Where you're calling people who don't like your band sausage gobblers? Hmm. Maybe I should come out with a video called Homophobia in Metal. Because sausage gobblers could be considered very insensitive. Wow, hypocrisy. Thy name is Rob Flynn. Duh. Not to mention that any fucking band on the planet saying blank motherfucker blank in any combination and that goes for cold chamber five finger death punch dope and yes machine head are all jacking it hmm funny from 1984's hip-hop classic the roof is on fire by rock master scott and the dynamic three know your fucking musical history fuck boys wow going dj khaled on the haters and if I hear one more fucking internet twat hole moaning about cringe-worthy lyrics while they sit in front of their computers stroking their little fucking boners to the lyrical genius of fucking baby metal. Most of their songs are in Japanese, Rob. Are you using Google Translate to find out what they're saying? Eat a bowl of cock. And then there again, there we go with the gay bashing words. Rob, you're two for two. Dick. Because the second the Pantera's walk comes on with such lyrical Edgar Allan Poe-esque masterpiece is like, run your mouth when I'm not around, it's easy to achieve. I love walk. I love the song Walk more than any single Machine Head album. And the majority of Metalheads too. Or Lamb of God. Oh, don't, 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 don't you dare go there on Lamb of God. This is a motherfucking invitation. I love that song, Redneck. Again, I love Redneck more than any single Machine Head album. In fact, I'll take that song over your whole, whole discography. These same fucking brain donors run right out to the dance floor and start headbanging. And rightly so. P.S. Who the fuck listens to dope? Oddly enough, 
Edsel Dope, lead singer of Dope, did a re, re <laughs> uh, the correct um, he he posted a response to this where he went on Spotify and showed that Dope had more listeners on Spotify than Machine Head did. <laughs> Oh, Rob, I hope your crow tastes good. But anyways, look, my opinion on, on, on Rob Flynn is this. Dude, you could write whatever the hell you want to. You could release whatever the hell you want to. But you have to admit, you full well knew that when you released Catharsis, you were going to divide your audience. Because a lot of them don't want to hear about how virtuous you are, how much better you are, uh, what political side to go down. Nobody wants to hear that. People listen to metal as a release, as a way to block out the reality that's going on around them. They don't listen to it for a lecture. All right, and you full well knew that. So rather than admit that you rather than admit that you knew you probably lost a lot of fans you completely lacked any form of self-awareness and just said well what have you been listening to for the last you know 25 years machine has always been political yeah but you were subtle about it you weren't in your face lecturing about it nobody likes to be lectured and you release Catharsis, Dave and Phil Demel quit, which that was probably one of the most consistent lineups that Machine Head had, because Phil, I think, joined in 2003, and in 2019, he quits. So for 16 years, you had these two MVPs of their respective instruments in your band, and you lost them. Because you decided you wanted to play Tyrant and not be a band anymore, but be the Rob Flynn band with hired guns. And I thought you were better than that. I thought that you, you know, Phil was your was your boy from the days of violence and you pissed on them. By the way, shout out to Sean Killian. Hope you're feeling better, dude. Congratulations on getting uh, uh, the surgery that you needed to uh, still be around and continue violence. But anyways, back to Rob Flynn. Just go fuck yourself because you didn't even like... You you lack any form of self-awareness. You release this song and you think your fans are going to like it. I think it's the worst song you've ever done. All right. And when you try to combine the thrashier elements of Machine Head with the new metal elements that you did with Burning Red and Supercharger, it's it's a it's a joke. It's a mockery of Machine Head's past. And you know what? I don't care if this podcast gets to you and you single me out on your social media and you want to talk shit about me. I'm sure there's a lot of fans who feel the same way that I do. And I'm just speaking for myself, okay? And I hope whoever listens to it, to this podcast gets the idea. And like Vinnie Vincent, 
never strives to be somebody like you because you're a sanctimonious prick. All right, so fuck you, fuck Machine Head, fuck your new song, and that's all I got to say about that. Um, yeah, so in sad news, um, I did a post about this uh, a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago, I posted that Eddie Van Halen apparently had a, um, you know, he was in the news a lot. You know, people were saying, oh, Eddie's dying or Eddie's sick or whatever, but there was nothing that came out of the Van Halen camp about his condition or whatever. You know, we all know uh, back in 2001, he was diagnosed with uh, tongue cancer and they actually removed a third of his tongue. And... Well, the unfortunate news is that it's official. It's a, it's been officially released that he's been flying to Germany for treatment because his cancer has come back. Thankfully, we live in a time where cancer isn't a death sentence anymore. So much scientific advancement has come by where they can help control it. I mean, I know that right now, um, Tony Iommi and Vivian Campbell. Uh, respectively of Black Sabbath and Dio slash Def Leppard slash Last in Line are both living with cancer and getting treatment. So that's actually helping them uh, control the disease. And look, I'm sad that I never got to see Van Halen live in concert, but Eddie Van Halen doesn't owe me anything. Uh, He doesn't owe anyone anything. He's released you know, 40 years of quality music and we're all better for it. You know, he wrote the soundtrack for the summer. His first six albums with David Lee Roth are the perfect summer soundtrack. All I want to do is send thoughts, positive vibes, love and prayer to Eddie Van Halen and a speedy recovery. Um, you know, it sucks, man. I mean, I lost my dad to cancer. I lost countless uncles and aunts to cancer and it's not even funny you know seeing someone you love go through that and I've never met Eddie Van Halen I don't know him personally but you know he was always a guitar hero of mine uh I I love his music um I don't know how he is or who he is as a person but I love his guitar playing and you know, for all the years of great music that he gave us, thank you, Eddie, and for what you're going through, uh, we we wish you well, and we hope you beat this again. So that's that's the show for this week. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my podcast friends or podcasts that I listen to: uh, J. Cam Morris and Yakuza Kick Radio, uh, Shaheen and Dirty Dudes. Uh, Aaron and Chris over at Decibel Geek, Ralph and Ian over at Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Also listen to Ralph's podcast, Vieira Vaults. Big shout out to Talking Maiden, uh, who just released their three-part introspective breakdown of Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden's 1992 album. And... 
Also, some other podcasts you may want to check out include uh, Dave and Dave Unchained, a fan podcast based on Van Halen, and what else? Oh, yeah. As always, continue to listen to and support the Rat Salad Review Network and the podcast. Big shout out to Wayne, Greg, and Uncle Saxon. And that's it. Uh, check me out at Music Is Life, Flu Mavs, over on Facebook and Twitter. And I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Oh, also in Hard Drive, we got two shows this weekend, both in Patchogue. Friday night, October 18th at the Harbor Crab. Show time starts at 8 o'clock. We got the lovely Rachel Jarvis singing with us. And the following night, October 19th, we're playing at Rudy's Bar and Grill in Patchogue. As long as the Yankees don't make it to the playoffs. <laughs> Which they have tonight and tomorrow. Uh... You know, if if they win, that means that they play on Saturday. Which, if they play on Saturday, that means I'm not playing on Saturday. So, yay, boo, Yankees. Uh, (laughs) Torn. So torn. Anyways, but check us out at harddriveband.com for any videos and dates. And that's it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.